Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. The LA River is the reason that Los Angeles exists. Prior to colonialization by the Spanish in the 1700s, there were more than 40 Tongva Native American villages along the river in what's now Glendale. As Los Angeles was developing, the river provided the city with its main source of water. After a number of devastating floods in the 1930s, the Army Corps of Engineers was charged with encasing 43 of the LA River's 51 miles in bank-to-bank concrete. This cement river became the backdrop for drag races in movies like Grease and was viewed as a garbage-filled eyesore rather than an asset. Then, in 2008, to prove that the LA River was in fact worthy of protection, a brave bunch of kayakers led by a 29-year-old biologist, Heather Wiley, kayaked the entire length of the river, which helped prove that it met the legal definition of a navigable waterway. After that, community activists and then politicians realized that a revitalized LA River could be the linchpin to greening the entire city. Ten years later, millions of dollars have been spent to begin the long and complex journey of bringing the LA River back to life. Since reading about Heather's trip down the LA River, it's always been my goal to get in a kayak and see the river for myself. Last week, I got my wish. I met up with a group of five amazing people working to protect the LA River. Fernando Gomez, who's the chief ranger with the Mountain Recreation and Conservation Authority, and his colleague Sarah Roscoe, with Susie Santolina and Edward Belden from LA Mayor Eric Garcetti's office, and Jolene Munoz from the Tillman Treatment Plant, who helps keep the LA River flowing. Okay, Susie, where are we right now? Um, we are at the LA River, pretty far upstream near the Sepulveda Basin. Okay, and it, we're standing on some cement. I think it's just this initial launching point that's concrete, but we'll see as we get there. It'll get more and more soft as we go upstream. Look, what's that? Look at all these geese. Yeah, those are. Sh- that's a s- legit flock of Canadian geese flying in a V formation. How many times have you kayaked down here before? I've done it twice. This is my third time. So third time's the charm. Um, I haven't tipped over yet, but we'll see what happens this time. I'm excited. I mean, like, it's there's a little, you know, kind of like looks like rapids almost. You've got a heron. I mean, it's, it's legit wildlife here. There, there's some definite riffle action happening in the water. Um, yeah, we might see some egrets, we might see some heron. Hopefully Chief Gomez can point out some of the wildlife we come across as we're going down the river. So it's exciting. I like it. So Chief Gomez, like, tell us, what are we going to do today? 
Uh, well, today, this morning, we're going to be kayaking the uh, Alley River in the Sepulveda Basin. Uh, it's going to be about one mile up, one mile down. Uh, you're going to get to explore and see what the Alley River has to offer, especially being in a soft bottom, uh, very minimal concrete. So you'll see features similar to just any other wild river that you'll see anywhere across the country. So you'll see fish sometimes even uh, coming out of the water and breaching. You'll see blue, great blue herons. You'll see snowy egrets, night herons, green herons. You'll see the vivid um, Alley River, uh, and you'll get to experience something that you know most folks get to experience from the outside, from the bike path or the walk path along the side, but it gives you a different perspective from when you're actually on the river and looking outward. And uh, there'll be actually areas here where you'll probably be thinking that you're walking, I mean, you're actually paddling through the Everglades because it's so lush and green and thick. Uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about in a little bit. Do you remember like your first time you kayaked down the river? Yes, uh, it was about uh, eight years ago when we first started a pilot program uh, here uh, on the in the Sepulveda Basin as well. And uh, the very first time was, I was you know, because we did a couple of tours before, like just to run run it. Skeptical, very like uh, I don't know about this, but I'll tell you, uh, eight years now into the eighth season now, and you get a different respect for the river. Um, again, you know what I've told folks is that the Alley River has been here for many, many years, way before any of us. But it's now what's what's actually changed, and the big change is that how we all now view the river and the the, you know, the actual possibilities that this natural resource has and being uh, deemed as navigable water, uh, then you know what? It, it's, a, it's a resource in our backyards that we need to really explore and we really need to have other people learn about it and respect it so you can flourish this river and make it, you know, people can you know, come out here and do more things to with the river. Because right where we are now, no one would ever think we were in Los Angeles. Like, we're still in the city, right? Yep, we're still within the city of Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. So it is smack in the city of Los Angeles, you know. And uh, the reason why the city of Los Angeles is here is because this flowing uh, gem is here. And do you have to be, like, an expert paddler or can, like, anyone do it? Well, no, you don't have to be an expert paddler. Because uh, I'm not. We've actually had vets out here. Uh, we've actually had vets who have lost their sight, hadn't had their canine. And we've you know, accommodated them on special boats, inflatable boats, and taken them out here. So that's, I can tell you that that's the, the, the level of you know, paddling. So we, we can, you know, anybody can paddle here, uh, out here in the Yellow River. Excellent. Let's, let's get going. Yeah, for sure. Hi, my name is Sarah Rusco, and I work for the MRCA, Mountains Recreation Conservation Authority. And a fun fact is that 90% of the water in the LA River is discharged from a reclamation plant. Tillman, I've been there. They have a beautiful Japanese garden. Very famous for their Japanese garden. But also, so there wouldn't be any flow here if it wasn't for recycling the water. Historically, the LA River is an ephemeral river, so flow would vary. And it would be much less, but I think that the amount of water is a representation of the highly engineered river that we have before us today. Even though it kind of looks natural. Absolutely. It was a natural river. So there are aspects of it that represent its historical depiction. And like we'll find out today, but it seems like the city of L.A., others are like trying to bring it back to life. Absolutely. It's, uh, there's a huge momentum and effort by many, many groups. Uh, the city of L.A. is definitely helping lead the charge. L.A. is a special city. We're very dense. So wherever we can develop and preserve open space, that, that's our goal. So the U.S. EPA in 2010 deemed the L.A. River a navigable waterway. 
So because of that, we are able to have the recreation zones that we have. Thank and my so goal much. was to kayak one day. It's taken eight this. years for me to Checking off the list, Actually, right? <laughs> now that it's a navigable waterway, yeah. we can kayak and, you know, bird and fish and have people actually access and embrace the LA River. Uh, and it also holds us to the Clean Water Act standards so we can get wonky and talk about meeting those standards. Like, Jolene, what gets through a five micron screen? And, and Nothing. Not hanging out next to where it discharges to the river, so there's other things that end up in this water. Because it's a river. There's... But literally, Jolene, like, nothing. five microns is like... Yeah. What, water... What's a micron? Like, compare that to a human hair. <laughs> a, ha a human hair is thicker than five... Someone was just talking about Reggie. Well, who is Reggie, Susie? Like, what is that? Someone that we missed? He's a famous, he's a fam very famous celebrity in L.A. He's an alligator in our zoo currently, but he originally came from one of our lakes. Apparently, someone had him as a pet and released him in Machado Lake, and he was found, like, he was quite large when they found him, and uh, now he's been captured and put in the L.A. Zoo, so you can still go and visit him. Like, was there, was there like, a whole search party for him? Ooh, I don't know, but I'm sure there was, like, panic, and there's an alligator in this lake. <laughs> right now, it kind of, it does look like the bayou. I mean, we could be anywhere, like, anywhere other than L.A. This does not feel like L.A. This is not your typical L.A. There's no concrete around us right now. There's all these plants around us. Open water, beautiful sky. I mean, other than that plane flying overhead, you would not think we were 100 miles from any city. Yeah, no, it, it does look like we're in nature now, and I think this is this is healthy for LA people to get a little dose of nature when you live here. <laughs> Where do you live? I live in South LA, in Chesterfield Square. So super urban. Pretty urban. Okay, let's keep paddling. Okay. So, so Chief Gomez, how deep is the river right here? And. And have you ever had to rescue anyone who fell in? So, then this part right here, the river, I was telling you guys about how deep this can get there. I can't touch the bottom here. Uh, on the, the bottom, that's how deep the water gets in here. So, uh, sections of this river are really deep. Uh, again, deeper than this paddle here. Now, you think about how deep this is uh, in the in the winter time when the water is moving through here and we have a really good season like we did a year, year and a half ago. The water gets up, and I'm looking at the at the tree line. You see where the plastic is? Yep. It's probably about what 10, 15 feet up high. Uh, that's this water. When we have to come in here uh, as the MRCA Rangers, we're also Swift Water trained. So we uh, tag team with the Los Angeles City Fire's uh, Swift Water teams. We get deployed out here as well and uh, start uh, helping out folks when they when they do come into this water. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it really difficult because being a, a basin, it's meant to be flooded out. And, but it's not meant for folks to be obviously in the water. Uh, why it makes it challenging to try to make these rescues, whether either with boats, the helicopter, or working off of uh, nearby bridges. Uh, and of course, the key of this whole thing to prevent all that is doing pre-warnings. So our rangers come out here, do pre-warnings for uh, folks who may be living, uh, actually in the embankment here, this, this portion of the Alley River, there may be one or two that have popped up just recently, homeless encampments. Mm -hmm. We're constantly busy. We're getting those calls. Um, you know, there's people in the river, playing by the river. And so we try to, you know, try to educate folks uh, to try to get, stay away from it so that we don't put our first responders in harm's way as, you know, as much as we can. So. 
So, Fernando, like you were saying that you can tell the height of the river by where the plastic bags are in the trees. Like, there's not that many plastic bags, though. I thought there'd be a lot more. Yes, that's correct. There's not many plastic bags. Uh, since uh, this program began, the, the, the pilot program, our first year, we saw an enormous amount of plastic bags. But since the inception of the plastic, ban, uh, plastic bag ban, uh, we have seen a, a significant reduction of plastic bags in the river. And I think that has been a positive impact. Uh, you know, many times we say, oh, what, what, what's the actually outcome of this? Where do you actually see this? And I personally can attest that I have seen the reduction in here. And uh, we, don't, we don't see as many bags in here anymore. So I think that's helping out. And it's, it's been a key thing to what the impact of those plastic bags is flying or being dumped, uh, how it affects our waterways. And we're seeing this because that means also redu- reduces everything that's going into the ocean as well. It's amazing. Look, there's a hummingbird right there. Oh, yeah. right, right above us. So, I mean, again, the Aloe River, like I said, you're, you're, if people can see us right now, surrounded by, you know, willow. We have sycamore. We've got all this natural, you know, riparian uh, vegetation in here. You forget where you're at. Uh, and, again, the water being deep is about 10, 15 feet here and here. And, uh, again, you're still within the city of Los Angeles, and, and you forget about this. I, I would never know. I grew up in, uh, in England in this little village and the river was called the Cam, like the Cam River, and it looks exactly like where we are today. You, I would never think that I was in L.A. I do. Nice. Well, they have punts, they have punts, which <laughs> oh, are like good. a long boat with a pole. Where yes. you, yeah. But yeah, this is very much like that. Yeah, I love it. So, Fernando, what... So there's, there's not many homeless people here, but we just passed a, a homeless encampment. Like, what's the story? Uh, we, they're the, they're actually the one we just passed right now. Yeah. Uh, I've actually personally been working with him. Okay. And uh, well-skilled gentleman, uh, but uh, he's one of those outdoor enthusiasts. He doesn't mm. want to be living indoors, doesn't want to be, doesn't want anything to be doing. So he really wants to, likes to live in outdoors. Uh, we've attempted to get him help with uh, our homeless advocacy groups and just is refusing to. You don't blame the person for trying yeah, to you know, live right. in front of this river and, you know, the beauty that it actually has. However, it's, it's unsafe uh, yeah. because, you know, we just, you know, we do have the, you know, we have federally protected uh, endangered species birds out here. So that affects that. So we definitely have to be kind of find a balance and manage the the usage of the facility so it can, you know, both you know, folks can actually enjoy it, but at the same time our wildlife can also use it as a refuge to be able to, you know, to survive their species. Being in an endangered species, you definitely want to be protecting them as well. Uh, and at the same time, as we protect, we, you know, we were, right now we're surrounded here by a rundle. What is a rundle? So it's like a massive green... It's more like a, it looks like a, like a bamboo kind yeah. of caney thing. It's very, very uh, difficult to get rid of. Uh, Where did it come from? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Asia that mm. it, it actually comes from, and uh, this this highly invasive, uh, you know, Arundo is also one of those things where Army Corps of Engineers, City of LA, LA County Flood Control spent a lot of money to try to get rid of it. I've personally seen it uh, burn with diesel because it was after a, a traffic collision, and three weeks later, sprouts were coming out <laughs> out of the ground, the same spot in the Legion Valley. So that that's to tell you how resilient this uh, vegetation is. Uh, but then along, we also have castor bean that's uh, invasive in here as well. Uh, again, things that are you know that are really you know out of their out of their element, but but they thrive here because you know they've got water, they've got the right element for them to be able to you know start to try to take over. 
We just saw like little fish swimming by. That was the first fish. Like it's, it's amazing. Like the the river's alive. Yes, uh, you've got eight different types of fish in here. Well, one of the bigger ones that you got carp in here, and you've got uh, river channel catfish in here as well. Uh, the, the one I've actually saw when one guy was actually fishing here and caught it was an eight pounder. An eight pounder. Uh, he he was just catching, releasing. However, there are folks who come out here for the consumption of the, the fish that they catch in here. And just recently, LA Times, uh, I believe it was LA Times, who did a special on a fish that they caught in here in the river. And they took it up to the Mount Washington area for a, like a cook there. And they probably had a feast there and, and enjoyed it. And that sounded really good. And I actually saw a picture of it. I'm like, huh, that looks like a place where the sushi that I might actually just eat the, the <laughs> night before. So One super cool thing about um, where we are right now is how accessible it is to so many people in the city. You know, many folks may not have the means to get to a Colorado River, a Kern River, and having this resource in your backyards is something that is attainable, something that they can take a, you know, public transportation to it, bike their way here. Uh, so there is, you know, th there is something to be said about this, the Los Angeles River. You know, I, when I was growing up, we would bike from the city of El Monte down to the Rio Hondo River in the spillway as well. Again, it was probably not the right thing for us to do, but somebody placed a rope there, and guess what? That was our watering hole growing up. So we would, you know, use a rope, boom, and ride into the water until one day, though, that my mom did the same thing, did the dive, she drank some water, and the, her expression, her her wanting to gag and everything was, hey, we still laugh about it. And, yeah. uh, and I'm still laughing about it now because she, and I remind her once in a while, hey, mom, remember when you did this? She's like, I can't believe you took, I'm like, hey, I was, you guys took, we, you know, but again. We've come a long way though because the water right now, I mean, if people are eating the fish in it, yes. that's a good sign. Yes, and, uh, you know, fish do get tested for mercury. And, uh, so, you know, so there are studies that come out and people can follow that in and see what, 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 uh, you know what kind of fish you can have consume and you know and i'll tell you that it's people are consuming it and and people have been doing this for decades and so it, it, there is something to be said about los angeles river yeah it's amazing where are we what are we going to see next fernando uh, well right now we're actually going about to when we cut this corner here we're going to be entering an area that we call the grand canyon and why it's called the grand canyon i will kind of leave you to your imagination you start thinking okay the grand canyon this massive you know you know just crater whole river at the very bottom and you'll see what we're about to do. Oh. The walls are, you know, not, it's, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about, but you'll also see and, and see why we call it the Grand Canyon. Nice. I'm excited. So we'll, we'll Let's keep paddling. Thanks. Right, no problem. So, Edward, you yes. used to be in charge of getting rid of these invasive plants. Yeah, so when I uh, worked kind of upstream before, now I'm working in the mainstream up here in the uh, Sangero Mountains. There's a substantial amount of Rondo that comes from here all the way up to the foothills and higher elevations of the mountains in this watershed. And when you can take out one acre of Rondo, you can actually put back into the system 20 acre feet of water. Incredible. And it's a tremendous amount of water. The 20 acre feet doesn't sound like anything, right? But one acre foot of water is enough for four households for a whole year. So these small pot, I mean, we're seeing here some pretty big bunches of Rondo and if we were able to actually remove that, it would ensure that all of this vegetation would really thrive for a long time, but then we'd have more water downstream, we'd have more to water consume. We were working upstream where that was kind of the source of water for LA. So when we talk about local water supply, if we can take that plant out, we can return a tremendous amount of water back to the local system. So how do you remove it? It looks like incredibly resistant to removal. 
It is. It's, it's a really re resilient plant, um, as most invasives are. So it has a, a root structure. It's kind of like ginger, but ginger on steroids. And it will regrow anytime you cut it down um, from that root ball. And so you really have to either somehow remove it mechanically and really ensure you get that root out, which is, can be a really big challenge. Um, or a lot of people do use other type of uh, chemical methods after you've cut it down. So you, so you'd only have to you know, apply a minimal amount. So you don't have to apply the whole thing. Um, and that's successful just because you can ensure that the chemical is actually going down at the roots and kills the whole plant. But, you know, there's, there's challenges and there's controversy and there's issues with using those kind of uh, pesticides and herbicides. If they can use manual treatments, it's out there. It's just, um, it's really labor intensive. It's labor intensive even if you, um, no matter what, even if you're using a, kind of a chemical approach, you still have to cut it down and treat it uh, because if you leave it, it's just this giant uh, f potential fire source. Mm. Um, so it's a threat no matter what. Okay, now we're at the, I guess we're turning around. This is the part of the, the end of the river. Well, we, we've got a waterfall in front of us. Um, so we're heading back home, which is always fun to see the river from a different perspective. So Edward, I guess, I mean, certainly most of the river doesn't look like where we are right now. This is a very unique area um, where you have that much uh, native habitat in such a very uh, specific location. I mean, it's probably about two miles here in Sebulba Basin that has this natural space. And we don't have that in many parts of the LA River. Um, you can see it in the Elysian Valley. It kind of uh, has popped up in that soft bottom portion. But uh, for many other areas, it is right now kind of a river uh, in a concrete straitjacket, as they say. And we do have a chance to use this as a reference site to help bring back some pockets of natural habitat um, or any, and even some pockets of just greenery, some landscaped areas that, that everyone can appreciate. A lot of the sites along the river were used for heavy industry in the past, yeah. right? So they, it seems like they need a lot of cleanup. They do. There's a lot of brownfields that need some cleanup. Uh, we have to take out some contamination, and then we want to transform those into areas that have uh, recreation space, habitat, um, and just uh, uh, what you might expect to see along a river. And uh, at the same time, we want to increase the number of paths that are along the river. So we have 13 miles of gap that we want to fill here in the valley. Uh, we have another eight-mile gap section that goes between downtown LA. And once those are filled in, you'd be able to go from Canoga Park all the way to Long Beach, 51 miles. And uh, you can take your kids out. More importantly, when the Olympic comes, you can go between venues on the river. Um, so uh, it, it's a tremendous asset to see this, this gem, the place where the city was founded, come back to life. Why is it so important to this incredibly dense urban city, Los Angeles, to, to revitalize what most people think of as like just seeing cars drive through, you know, cement <laughs> basins? And, you know, I'd never until today seen this wild side of the river and it's spectacular like it's allowing the million people that are about a mile on each side of the river uh, to have a whole new place to come experience nature get healthy uh, let some species have its life back have a place back and to just see our city transform into what i think we all want to see and that's that uh, nice natural landscaped areas and, and park and uh, clean stormwater clean water for all of us to drink, 
Sarah, you've been kayaking and, and actually been super quiet so far. So tell me a little bit about the River Ranger program. Sounds like it's sure. Fernando. He's a ranger on the river, but not a river ranger. Correct. <laughs> I know. Sounds like a tongue twister. Semantics, right? Well, yeah. So, so what is a river ranger? A river ranger is a division entirely dedicated to the LA River year-round sunrise sunset, which currently there is no one overseeing the river in that capacity. We manage the recreation zone from Memorial Day to Labor Day. So that's why, like, when I got a call from Susie, she was like, you need to get in the river before September 2nd because the program kind of closes down. So we just made it. Exactly. But what happens in the rest of the year? The rest of the year, our rangers don't patrol. We need to get as many people on the river as possible. This is is the city's river. (laughs) It is. And through activating the river and making people feel safe is how people will really start to embrace it and use it as a natural resource. You spend a lot of time with the communities that live alongside the river. We do. We just talked about there's 22 cities or more. Yeah. Like, well, how do those folks who live along the river feel about this resource, like, being activated? They want to feel safe on the river. Um, They want eyes on the river aside from the community. They want a cohesive program that brings people to the river and helps educate about the history, the water quality. They don't want to see trash. So what's the number one thing that people are like afraid of as it relates to the river right now when when you talk to communities? Safety, which has a lot of uh, different issues for people. Uh, Safety can mean maintenance or lack thereof. Uh, Trash makes people feel unsafe. Trash is actually so it's, it's less about the physical, like, people and physical security, more just, like, the health of the river is making them feel unsafe. Health of the river is important, and seeing a uniform, seeing someone in an official capacity up and down the river is important to community. Not necessarily policing the river, but activating the river through various forms of staff is important to the community. Right. So, Susie, thank, thanks again. You've been amazing, and, and thanks for helping set up the entire program today. But part of, part of your day job, right, is to, is to help the mayor make sure that stormwater either gets cleaned up or captured before it goes into the L.A. River. Yeah, and it's both what happens when it rains, where's that water going? Um, It's also what happens when it's not raining, how people water their yards and the water just runs off the fertilizer, it transports fertilizers, um, whatever gunk is in the street. Metals like copper and zinc are a huge problem for the wildlife in a river. So, um, you know, where we fit in is before that water even reaches the river, we try to intercept it and either use it for something better or clean it up so how do you how do you do that like it's a big project yeah so we have a number of big projects that we can use it as examples but what they'll usually do is um find a large storm drain that's about to empty into a river find a location where we have some space and put a big tank there or put some filters there or some sort of treatment technology to get to that water before it gets to the river and um, green infrastructure is another big component of that that's a way that we can use vegetated and natural um, projects that can clean the water and filter it through plant life and soil instead of just letting it run and bring all those contaminants into our 
rivers. How do we get more people to understand all the cool things that are happening in L.A.? Yeah, well, I think um, it's important to show off some of the things that we've already done. Like, we have some really great projects that not only protect the water quality, but brought recreational opportunities to the areas. We saw the Albion River Park. We were able to get a parcel of land right near the river and um, expand the park opportunities there. We put new soccer fields there, but also underneath we have areas where we can now capture a lot of water and treat that water and utilize that water. So um, I think having those multi-benefit projects where not only are you cleaning up water, but you're providing other benefits to that community based on what that community needs um, is a really helpful way to show off the many benefits of having these sorts of projects. So ultimately it's like, it's about environmental justice, which is communities that have been overburdened also don't have access to rivers, don't have access to parks. That park that you and I went to, Albion, Mm was a former contaminated site. There was a very, very small park, and now there's a huge, beautiful park. And we're literally upcycling a piece of land that was once contaminated and disgusting into something that's now benefiting the community. And I think there's sort of a paradigm shift on how we develop urban areas now, where instead of putting concrete everywhere and letting all that pollution run into our rivers, channelizing everything to prevent from floods alone, we're taking into account other needs like what does that community need? What does nature in the area need? And so um, we can find ways, smart ways that we can integrate all those different needs together when we design projects and that just leads to a better project with more benefits. And the mayor recently came out with a really audacious goal which is I think it's the largest wastewater treatment plant west of the Mississippi is called Hyperion. And currently, most of the water gets discharged into the Pacific Ocean, which is causing ocean acidification. He said, we're going to recycle all that water by 2035. That's a definite ambitious goal, but it is achievable, um, especially if we leverage all of our partnerships and bring everybody together to work toward that single goal. And it's a really important one because our water resources are going to become more and more important. And just in order to protect ourselves from any upcoming natural disasters that might come, any impacts of climate change, it's so important that we utilize all the water we have right here. And um, by doing things like recycling that water instead of just discharging it to the ocean, we're also helping to prevent the amount of greenhouse gases and carbon footprint of the city by not having to import in you know, such energy intense, intense water from far away and being able to use what we have right here and to clean up what we have right here. That was an absolutely amazing day on the river. <sighs> we're now back where we started, right next to the Sepulveda Dam. And uh, to be honest, I wish I was staying out here all day. It's just amazing, amazing. Um, anyway, you get the chance to go kayaking on the river. I'd heartily recommend it. Amazing day. Who did we lose? Oh, my God. It doesn't matter. Where's Susie? You're still here. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, that's, that's all true. that matters. Okay. All right. Well, hey, guys. Should we uh, send a party back to look for Susie? Oh, there she is. No, we're going to go to a party. Okay. Okay. We're going to okay, a party. Okay, good. So. All right, folks. So, again, uh, I just want to say thank you guys all for me, for coming out here today. Uh, I really do hope that, again, other if this is the first time you've done it out here, you, you've got that different perspective. And it's up to us to protect it for others to enjoy. And the hard work that we do now 
is really you know is really important. So thank you all for what you guys do. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my my job, what I do as, as a ranger and, and the protection. But you guys see the the fruits of the work that you guys are all doing. So before you go get lunch, I thought we were going fishing to get that lunch. Well, no? we, we actually yeah. we did, but we did pass those two fishermen. Yeah, they, they weren't, weren't working. On, they were working on, on, on lunch for us. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> so they. LA Times article about uh, sewer salmon. Yes. Oh, they call sewer yeah, sound. From the LA River. It's, yeah. Check it out. That's not a good name. No, it wasn't. Yeah, but I've uh, already checked the fish. The fish are good. Fish are good. Yeah. Fish are good. So uh, anyway, so so thank you guys very, very much. Thank uh, you. Have a great, uh, yeah, have you a great awesome. time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for making yeah. that happen. Thanks, Fernando. Thank yes. Thank you very, very much. Before I retire, I would like to actually kayak the entire 51 miles of the LA River. Which honestly, that would be a, a great uh, send off for me as a retirement. Uh, when I, when You're I way too, I mean, that's like 30 years. <laughs> but you know what? They come up on you, creep up on you yeah. very, very quickly, though. You have a great whistle weekend. Check out these snowy egrets, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Let me get you some water. Three of them. They're beautiful. Yeah, there's one over there. Yeah. Maybe. They're the small, they're little good. guys, but look, their neck is so long, right? A huge thanks to Chief Ranger Fernando Gomez for leading us on this amazing adventure and for all the work he's done to give so many first-hand knowledge of the river. To Sarah Roscoe, who's also with the Mountain Recreation and Conservation Authority, for being a treasure trove of information on the river. To Susie Santolina, who helped bring this kayak trip together and for her work saving water and the LA River, and to Edward Belden, who, among many other things, helped me pull up and transport out invasive species from the LA River. And finally, to Jolene Munoz for helping keep the water flowing from the Tillman treatment plant into the beautiful LA River. I was so impressed and excited by my few hours on the LA River, the energy that has emerged to transform this formerly garbage-filled and concrete-lined waterway back to its glory days still has a long way to go, but I have no doubt that the folks I met with today and thousands of others like them will make it happen. In the next episode of Podship Earth, I talk with a mom whose fight to help her young daughter battle cancer turned her into an environmental advocate on a mission. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey. From the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spate, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld, keep paddling even when it's against the current. <laughs>